All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the final, final podcast here. The first episode of 2021. Happy New Year, everybody, to start off. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Lots of catching up on this episode, especially in the NFL, where we have completed 256 regular season games, which is a huge accomplishment in and of itself, as we now move on to the Super Wild Card Weekend, as we're calling it now, with three games this Saturday and three games this upcoming Sunday. We'll get into everything, wrapping up the kind of unique and historic 2020 season, as well as we get into the first weekend of the playoffs and some of the matchups that we'll be seeing this weekend. The national championship game, college football national championships, comes up this Monday as well. So we'll discuss some of the bowl games, including the two blowout semifinal games that we had this year in the college football playoffs. Don't think we'll be able to get to anything basketball related today, but we'll save that for next week's episode since we have so much football that we want to get into and we don't want to miss any of it. Um, Getting to that best time of the year in terms of the NFL playoffs, best football being played right now here in January. All right, let's go ahead and get started. First things first, we'll start with on Sunday where the Cleveland Browns ended up making the playoffs for the first time in 18 years, I believe since 2000. They snap a streak of 17 straight seasons missing the playoffs. That is the second longest streak in NFL history of not making the playoffs. I believe the Saints had a stretch where they didn't make the playoffs for 20 years. Um, So they'll be making the playoffs this year. They get in as a sixth seed after defeating the shorthanded, albeit the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they'll be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers again this upcoming weekend on Sunday on the night game, and that'll be the full-strength Steelers in terms of Ben Roethlisberger being back. But the Browns, they won't be at full strength. I mean, they'll be missing, first and foremost, their head coach, Kevin Stefanski. He'll be out due to a COVID-19 positive test, so he won't be able to coach this weekend. They're going to have special teams coach Mike Prefer be their head uh, acting head coach for this weekend against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then Alex Van Pelt, their offensive coordinator, he's going to be the one calling the plays on offense, which is usually Kevin Stefanski's job. So, I mean, little good news, bad news for the Browns. I mean, they, they snapped the second longest streak, the longest active streak, actually, of not making the playoffs. But now they got to do it without their head coach. They're going to be missing a starting offensive guard as well. Some other guys, I think they have, they're up to six people in their organization with a positive COVID test that will be missing this playoff game. But if they win, if they beat the Steelers, Kevin Stefanski and some of these guys will be back. So that's kind of the hope for for. Cleveland then in this sense but they'll be out without Kevin Stefanski for their first playoff game in 17 seasons other big news from Sunday the Packers they secure home field advantage in the NFC finishing 13 and 3 for the second straight season and this is big for the Packers they haven't had many games actually they've Aaron Rodgers has brought that up multiple times this year where the Packers haven't hosted a NFC championship game he's been to four of them and the Packers haven't hosted one of them. He's one in three of those, obviously winning the one that got them to the Super Bowl and then the one that they won in 2010. But the Packers have never had an NFC Championship game go through Lambeau, so that's kind of the hope this year, get to the NFC Championship game, and that could be the deciding factor, hopefully, for them to get to a Super Bowl and hopefully get to Rodgers' second Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, he's 4-2 and two in his career at home in the playoffs, so that's why getting that number one seed was so important for the Packers. And the and actually, the Packers have won their last three home playoff games with, with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. So you can see that's why they, they really wanted to get that number one seed. They get the bye week. They're the only team in the NFC to get the bye week this year with the new adding in a seventh team to the playoffs. So the Packers, they clinch home field advantage, and they lock up that bye week as well this year. They defeated the Bears in Week 17. The Bears still get into the playoffs despite losing and going 8-8. Eight and eight. They get in over a tiebreaker with the Arizona Cardinals, who also went 8-8, eight and eight, losing Week 17 to the Los Angeles Rams, who were without Jared Goff and a thumb injury. We're not sure if he'll be back for this wild card game either, but we'll get to that in a little bit as well. Let's see what else we got for big news on Sunday. Ooh, here we go in the AFC. This the AFC wild card was absolutely phenomenal on just on trying to determine which teams would get in so the Tennessee Titans they win the AFC South with a just 
a huge barn burner of a game between the Titans and the Texans. The Titans ended up winning on a last-second field goal that bounces in off of the goalpost from a, a kicker who was just activated not days before because Steven Gostkowski, their normal kicker, was on uh, the COVID list. So the, the Titans get in 41-38 to 38 over, the, over the Texans. They win the AFC South. Derrick Henry becomes the eighth member to reach 2,000 rushing yards in a season. He needed to. He came into the into Week 17 needing 223 rushing yards to get over 2,000, and he went out and got a career high 250 rushing yards and two touchdowns to help propel the Titans into the playoffs, win the AFC East. I'm sorry, <laughs> AFC South, and then still get 2,000 yards, becoming the eighth member of that group. The other three teams then in the AFC, then in the wild card, Indianapolis Colts. They beat up on the Jaguars thanks to a big help from Jonathan Taylor. That got them in the playoffs as the seventh seed. The Browns, as I mentioned before, beat up on the shorthanded Steelers. Actually, it was a close game there at the end. Um, shorthanded Steelers, they beat up on them to get in the sixth seed. And then the Ravens come in riding a five-game winning streak into the playoffs. They get the five seed. And that's your last wild card spot. The other team that had a chance to secure a wild card spot, the Miami Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa, the starting quarterback. No Ryan Fitzpatrick this time to come in and save the day in the fourth quarter. But I don't know if he would have been able to uh, <laughs> to save it in this one because the Dolphins went up against the Bills. Tua threw three interceptions. The Bills scored 56 points. I think they blew him out by over 30 there. So that's how we get your three wild card spots in the AFC. Number five, Ravens, six Browns, seven Colts, and then with the Titans win, they got that four seed in that AFC South title right there. Other big ones, the Washington football team, they defeat the Eagles to claim the NFC East at seven and nine. Now they've got question marks at their quarterback with Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke. Who's going to, are they going to be rotating quarterbacks because of Alex Smith's lingering injury issues? So we'll see about that. Um, but the other thing, too, about that game, and I, I won't dive into this in, in this episode at all because we're past it. We're, we're moving on to the playoffs at this point. But it, it almost seemed like the Eagles looked like they were purposely trying to lose this one. They took out Jalen Hurts, who they've replaced Carson Wentz with a couple of weeks back, if you remember now. Jalen Hurts wasn't having his best game by any stretch of, of the term there. But... Uh, he still had two rushing touchdowns, and it was still obviously their best choice at quarterback. And they brought in Nate Sudfeld in a three-point game, in a primetime game nonetheless. So a lot of people were very frustrated about that outcome, and especially a lot of Giants fans and a lot of Giants organization fans. And here's here's kind of my take on it. So I, I don't think that the Eagles should have done what they done. It did look like they were tanking in primetime. And it did look like they were doing it just to, I think that now they have the sixth overall pick instead of the ninth, which whatever. But the Giants have no reason to be angry at Eagles players and organization for, for looking like losing that game. Because, I mean, the Giants went 6-10. and 10. I mean, if you want to make the playoffs and you're upset with a franchise that didn't win a game to get the Washington football team at 6-10 and 10, so you win a tiebreaker, I mean, just win more football games. That's for the Giants have no reason to be upset with the Eagles. Be more upset with yourself that you lost 10 football games this season. But I still don't think that the Eagles, if it looked like they were tanking in prime time, I mean, I mean, it's pretty easy to tell on, on something like that when you take out your starting quarterback who has won you some big games. He beat the Saints, the number two seed in the NFC, and you were within three points in this game. So that's, that's kind of an interesting uh, aspect that we saw in prime time on those games but with that here's how it all shook out then for our wild card matchups we'll have the chicago bears the seven seed in the nfc they'll take on the new orleans saints they got the two seed after the packers ended up getting that bye week the number one seed we'll also have the seattle seahawks the three seed face off against the los angeles rams and then our last nfc matchup the washington football team they get the home game against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's our NFC East. One Packers, two Saints, three Seahawks, four Washington football team, five Buccaneers, six Rams, and then seven is the Chicago Bears. So we got that 
3-6-4-5 matchup in the NFC. And then on the AFC side, we got the Buffalo Bills and the Indianapolis Colts. After the Kansas City Chiefs locked up that number one seed, I believe, two weeks prior to week 17. So we got Bills and Colts for the AFC in the first game. We got Steelers and Browns. This will be the third matchup this year, obviously, between division opponents. We get them this weekend. And then, here's a great one, the Tennessee Titans host the Baltimore Ravens. If you remember, this was a rematch. This will be a rematch of last year's divisional matchup where I believe Derrick Henry ran for over 200 yards in this game. And the Tennessee Titans ended up upsetting the number one seed Baltimore Ravens. And that got them to the AFC championship game. So kind of a, a revenge game here for the Baltimore Ravens. Trying to see if, if Lamar can get his first playoff victory as well. So that would be one seed Chiefs two seed Bills, three seed, what am I missing? Steelers, goodness, four seed Titans, five seed Ravens, six seed Browns, and then seven seed Indianapolis Colts with the 10 and six Miami Dolphins just missing out on the playoffs. So really close right there for them. So that's how we got there with our week 17. Other big news from week 17, we have six head coaching openings for next season. Los Angeles Chargers fired Anthony Lynn, after I believe what a five and eleven season, they did rally at the, or maybe a six and ten se- seven and nine season actually. They did rally at the end of the season. They won four straight games, but it wasn't enough for Anthony Lynn to keep his job, so he's out. The Atlanta Falcons, if you remember, they fired Dan Quinn after I believe week five. They have not decided uh, on a new coach yet. Interim coach Raheem Morris coached them the rest of the season. He's interviewed for the job but we're not sure if, if he'll be the front runner to keep that one. Jacksonville Jaguars, after a 1-15 in 15 year, they lock up the number one pick in the draft this year, and that means they move on from head coach Doug Marone. The New York Jets, they fire Adam Gase after a 2-14 season. The Detroit Lions, they let go of Matt Patricia earlier in, in the season, if you remember. They had Daryl Bevel as their interim coach. And then the Houston Texans as well, with Bill O'Brien being let go midseason and Romeo Cronell being their interim coach to finish out the season. So Chargers, Falcons, Jaguars, Jets, Lions, and Texans are your six teams with head coaching vacancies. We'll talk about more next week as I want to keep going here with uh, the regular season and some of the awards that I think will be handed out before this this year is done, this season is done. but we'll talk about more next week, which team offers the most desirable opening in which uh, which team is, is kind of in a good position for a new head coach to go to. But here are some head coaching candidates to keep your eyes and ears on in, in the news the next couple of days. These guys should or most likely will be some of the front runners to get a uh, head coaching position. So Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, everybody thought that he was going to get a head coaching gig last year obviously with with the Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes being a top three or top overall offense every year for the past uh, three years now or two years now. So Eric Bieniemy, yeah, three years at least they've been a top three overall offense. Eric Bieniemy, kind of the mastermind behind that offense with Andy Reid. He's going to get a lot of head coaching opportunities this cycle. I believe he's interviewed with almost all these teams already that have an opening. So watch out for him. I'm sure he'll get hired this year. Robert Sala, the 49ers defensive coordinator, the way that he was able to rally his the, the defensive players on this team. They lost so many guys to injury, both offensively and defensively, this 49ers team. And that the way that this defense is still able to perform as a top 10 overall defense some weeks, most weeks, believe it or not. And he just gets raving reviews from head coach Kyle Shanahan, from all the players that he coaches. This is a this is going to be someone's going to get a good head coach in Robert Sala if he decides to, or if a team decides to hire them as their next head coach. Brian Dayball, as well as the Bills offensive coordinator, kind of a lot of people giving him a lot of credit, helping Josh Allen turn around from last year. I mean, he, he was good last year, but this year he becomes an MVP candidate with the season that he had. And a lot of credit goes to Brian Dayball, that offense, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and so forth there. Anthony Lynn just got fired from the Chargers. I think he should have gotten another opportunity with them. Like I said, they finished off the season with four straight wins, 7-9. and nine. In 2018, they won a playoff game with Anthony Lynn as their head coach. 
So I think they might have let him go a little bit early. I think he could be another candidate for one of these teams with an opening, and I think it would be a really good hire for, for someone to pick up Anthony Lynn. And then two more, Jim Caldwell. If you remember, the last thing he did was was a head coach of the Detroit Lions. And, man, I, that they kind of gave him the quick hook, too. I mean, he had a couple of 7-9 and nine seasons or 8-8 eight and eight seasons, and I guess the, the Detroit Lions were looking for a little more, obviously. But since he's been gone, they haven't been as successful. And I think he's he's one of those guys everybody talks about as no-nonsense. He can kind of rally a room and, and get the players to do it and buy into what he's thinking. So I think Jim Caldwell is another head coach, former head coach, that should definitely be getting some looks this offseason. And then one more is, is Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. Tennessee had a top three overall offense this past year. They had a great offense last year as well. This was Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur's, Matt LaFleur's understudy. So, I mean, this, this Kyle Shanahan, uh, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur coaching tree keeps continuing to grow, and Arthur Smith is the next guy on that list, and, and deservedly so. I mean, Tennessee has had a fantastic offense the past two seasons. I mean, of course, it helps when you have Derrick Henry, but Arthur Smith is the one that's also kind of revived Ryan Tannehill's career as well in Tennessee. And then the other one that's actually been rumored a bunch is Urban Meyer, former Ohio State head coach, and possibly him going to Jacksonville and being the next head coach there. So those are kind of some names to keep an eye out for and keep your ears on in the news for, for head coaching gigs is Eric Bieniemy, Robert Sala, Brian Dayball, Anthony Lynn, Jim Caldwell, and then Arthur Smith, and then possibly Urban Meyer going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But we'll, we'll see. Those are some of the head coaching openings and some candidates that we should be looking out for. I want to get to as well, to wrap up this regular season here, some regular season awards winners in my opinion so if we want to go back first let's go back to before the nfl season started here was my predictions i had mvp as russell wilson i mean he didn't have a horrible year but he wasn't i don't he might be top five he might be the fifth in terms of mvp voting offensive player of the year i had four names down which was christian mccaffrey which won't be the case since of his injury josh jacobs definitely won't be the case and then i had Devonte adams and Travis Kelsey, those two could definitely be in the running for Offensive Player of the Year with the seasons that they put out, and we'll get to that in a second. Defensive Player of the Year, I had Zadarius Smith for the Packers. Had a, another fantastic season, just a couple other defenders that even had more spectacular seasons, and we'll get to those. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I had Joe Burrow. Probably would have been the winner this season had he not torn his ACL late or uh, midway through the season, so that was unfortunate there. Defensive Rookie of the Year, I had Isaiah Simmons and Chase Young between those two. It's most likely going to be Chase Young, and, and I'll get to that when I talk about my Defensive Rookie of the Year in, in just a sec here, but that one I might have gotten right. <laughs> Who knows there? But then Comeback Player of the Year, I had Ben Roethlisberger. That one definitely won't be right because it should be Alex Smith, and, and that one should be obvious to everybody as, as, as long as Alex Smith stepped on the field and he did, and then he started football games. He was going to be the comeback player of the year, and, and that's definitely well-deserved for him there. So maybe not my best predictions before the season started, but let's get to what I think my predictions are or what I think they will be here now that we're at the end of the regular season. So MVP, I've got Aaron Rodgers at one, Patrick Mahomes at two, and Derrick Henry at three. Aaron Rodgers, it's, it's pretty well locked up for him at this point I think I mean he was already voted to the AP first team all pro 46 of the 50 possible votes he got there the other four was split between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen so that's why I, I believe Aaron Rodgers has it locked up I mean 48 touchdowns five interceptions that's number one in the NFL 48 passing touchdowns that's tied for the fifth most all time all the other there, there's what maybe five quarterbacks that also threw for over 48 touchdowns in a season. And they all, well, actually, it's four quarterbacks. Uh, Peyton Manning did it twice. But all four of those guys, whenever they threw over 48 touchdowns, each of them won the MVP that season. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he also led the league in passer rating, QBR, completion percentage. 
I mean, it's 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 pretty well locked up for Aaron Rodgers, I believe, at getting his third MVP. He would be the sixth player all time to get his third MVP. He also, with his passer rating of 121.5, that led the, that led the league this season. That's also the second highest in NFL history. The only one that's higher was Aaron Rodgers back in 2011 at 122.5. So he was just a point off from tying his all-time uh, record from for passer rating in an NFL season. So I think Aaron Rodgers, he gets that number one. He gets that MVP. Patrick Mahomes, I had second. Had a fantastic year, but there was some some games where you just questioned. I mean, his completion percentage was down. Doesn't have the, the same numbers as, as Aaron Rodgers. And, and a lot of people keep bringing up this weapons argument in favor of Aaron Rodgers, where Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the weapons that Patrick Mahomes has. Aaron Rodgers has plenty of weapons. He's got probably the best receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams. And then he's also got Aaron Jones. He's got a tight, tight end in Robert Tunyon who had over 10 touchdowns. But still, Patrick Mahomes just didn't have quite the season that Aaron Rodgers had. Still a great season, but just not quite the season that Aaron Rodgers had. And then I had Derrick Henry at third, and I'll talk about him. And actually, I'll talk about him right now because I have him as my offensive player of the year. I mean, eighth player in NFL history to rush for 2,000 yards in a single season. I believe a few of these guys have won the NFL MVP when rushing for over 2,000 yards. I mean, he came into Week 17, I said this earlier, needing 223 rushing yards, and he instead decided to rush for his career high 250 rushing yards. I, I don't think there's a lot of guys on offense that deservedly could win Offensive Player of the Year, but Derrick Henry, this is why I also had him as my top three in the MVP discussion. He carried this Titans team to the playoffs, and it's I'm not. this is not a diss to Ryan Tannehill or A.J. Brown, but without Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill isn't able to do what he does in terms of play action, sucking in the defense. Ryan Tannehill, you should watch. Go back and watch all of Ryan Tannehill's rushing touchdowns. I bet you they come off of play action, and I bet you the entire defense dives at Derrick Henry when he fakes the run there. I mean, he's able to walk into the end zone a lot of these times, or what he does, he kind of like skips into the end zone at the end, Ryan Tannehill, and that's how he gets a lot of these wide-open rushing touchdowns, and that's all due to what Derrick Henry does. So I think that just embodies what the Offensive Player of the Year does, especially with the season that he had, what was it, 2,000 rushing yards and 17 rushing touchdowns. Um, the only other player that had over 2,000 rushing yards and, and over that many touchdowns was Terrell Davis in 1998, and I think he won the NFL MVP award that year. So, I mean, Derrick Henry is certainly in the MVP discussion, but I believe he'll win Offensive Player of the Year with the year that he had. And then the other two that round out my top three for Offensive Player of the Year, Devontae Adams and Travis Kelsey. I mean, Adams, 18 receiving touchdowns in just 14 games. I mean, he missed two games, almost two and a half games, and still was able to amass 18 touchdowns. That is tied for the third most in NFL history, which is just crazy. Randy Moss had 23 back in 2007. Jerry Rice had 22 back in 1987. And then Sterling Sharp and Mark Clayton also both had 18 one season in their career. So, I mean, look at these numbers up for Devontae. 115 receptions, 1,374 receiving yards, and then 18 reception touchdowns. So top five in reception yards and receptions, and then led the NFL in receiving touchdowns. Definitely deserves to be in the discussion for Offensive Player of the Year. And then there's Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey just broke the record for most receiving yards in a season by a tight end going over 1,400 yards. I mean, yes, that record was just broken the year prior by George Kittle, but they'll, they'll go back and forth on this record until someone gets over 1,500, and then they'll both go for 1,600. But Travis Kelsey what was it, 105 receptions, over 1,400 receiving yards, the new NFL record, and then 11 touchdowns, just dominant by a tight end. He had the second most receiving yards in all of the NFL, including receivers, and this is by a tight end, so he definitely deserves to be in the offensive player of the year discussion. So Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, those are my top three there. Defensive player of the year then, this is how I had it go. I had my top three as TJ Watt for the Steelers, Xavion Howard, the cornerback 
for the Miami Dolphins, and then Aaron Donald of the Los Angeles Rams. Aaron Donald speaks for himself. He most he could win it again this season. He's got two of them already. He is probably the best defensive player, if not the best player in the NFL, but this is about one single year. This isn't about what you've amassed over your entire career. This is a, a year-by-year award kind of thing. So Aaron Donald could easily win it this year, but I think T.J. Watt had a better season, and Xavier Howard had a special season himself. I mean, Xavier Howard, 10 interceptions this year, led the NFL. I think he was the fir- he's been the first cornerback to have double-digit interceptions since, was it Antonio Cromartie, possibly? Was it maybe 2006 or 2007? That's something I probably should have looked up, but I, it, it's been at least over 10 years since a player has had 10 interceptions in a season, and that's even more impressive these times because quarterbacks are being less reckless with their decisions when they're throwing the ball. These guys are being very careful, very mindful of where they're they're putting their passes. I mean, you saw it this year, Aaron Rodgers, with only five interceptions. Last year, he had two interceptions and in, in 25 touchdowns, I believe. So, I mean, these, these quarterbacks are being very careful where they place the ball. And when a guy starts to amass those numbers and in interceptions, quarterbacks start to or tend to stop throwing to that guy. So to amass 10 interceptions is incredible for Xavion Howard. I have him second, and that should just tell you the year that TJ Watt had leading the number one defense in the NFL this year, or at least the number, at least a top three defense, 15 sacks this year. He that's the most in the NFL by a sack and a half, 26 tackles for loss. That's the most in the NFL leads by six there. He had an interception as well. Two forced fumbles, the leader, like I said, of that Steelers defense. So that's why I have TJ Watt as my defensive player of the year. This year was in the running for it last year as well. I think he'll be I think he'll be the defensive player of the year this year. So then offensive rookie of the year, Justin Jefferson. Actually, I have this one tied. I have it tied with the two Justins. Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert. And here's why. Both of these guys had outstanding rookie seasons. Justin Herbert to start it off. 31 passing touchdowns. That's a new rookie record, like I said as well. Four straight wins to end the season. This guy was throwing for over 300 yards per game at one point this season. I think he probably ended up the year throwing an average of 275 yards per game as a rookie. Became maybe one of four quarterbacks, four rookie quarterbacks, excuse me, to throw for over 4,000 yards. So Justin Herbert and then Justin Jefferson, on the other hand, he broke the rookie receiving record as well. Anquan Bolden had 1,377. That was the old record. And Justin Jefferson got himself to a solid 1,400 receiving yards this year as a rookie. Really stepping in and absolutely filling the shoes of Stefan Diggs. Not easy. The, now the, the receiving leader this year in, in both receptions and receiving yards. And Justin Jefferson stepped right in and went yard for yard with him almost this year. So that's why I have it as a tie between Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert. And it's not unprecedented to have a tie for these awards. I mean, the MVP has been shared before back in, was it 98 with Brett Favre and Barry Sanders, they shared the MVP. So I don't, I don't see why we can't share an offensive rookie of the year award between these guys either. And then third, I had uh, Jonathan Taylor. It could be between Jonathan Taylor and James Robinson. Once you get outside the, if you're not first, who cares what's what's in the top three? But the reason I have Taylor is the way that he finished the season off, off with just the way that he was able to help propel the Indianapolis Colts into the playoffs, whereas James Robinson, he missed a few of the final games. Maybe I think he sat out the final two or three games. And in even Week 17, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, we talked about Derrick Henry rushing for 250 yards. Jonathan Taylor said, well, I'll see your 250 yards and I'll, Raise you 253, and, and that's what he rushed for in the final week, also rushing for, for two touchdowns, I believe. So, I mean, second most ever rushing yards in a season finale right there for Jonathan Taylor. So that's why I've got him in my top three as well. So then defensive rookie of the year, I've got Chase Young as my winner, Antoine Winfield Jr., the safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then I have the safety for the Panthers at number three in Jeremy Chin. I don't think this one's going to be particularly close. The way that Chase Young has performed this year, seven and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, 
three fumble recoveries and, and one of those fumble recoveries for a touchdown, but just the way that he also has led, he's been the leader on this Washington football team's defense. He's performed down the stretch, helping them get into the playoffs as well. So that's why I think Chase Young will, that'll be a pretty easy decision for defensive rookie of the year. And then now here's my oh, two more awards. Comeback player of the year. Actually, I can do that one first really quick. That one's Alex Smith. I don't think there's any question about it. Just the way that he, I mean, there was talk of him possibly losing his leg after that injury over two years ago now. Then there was, they were worried about his life as well with that leg. He's come back. He not only made the Washington football team roster, then he was their third string. All of a sudden, he gets bumped up to backup. They have, between injuries and discipline issues, Alex Smith gets on the field, then becomes the starter, and now leads the Washington football team to the playoffs. I mean, he didn't even need to become the starter or play multiple games for him to be the comeback player of the year, but that's what he all did in this season. So just incredible for Alex Smith there. And I don't even I don't have a second or third for that category because I don't think it's worth it. It's going to be Alex Smith. And then the last award that I'll have here as well is Coach of the Year. And this one is so difficult. You, I have there could be four or five guys that could win this one this year. This one's going to be so close. Here's how I have it ranked. I have it ranked as one Kevin Stefanski of the Browns. I have two Matt Lafleur of the Packers, and three Sean McDermott of the bills two other guys that could also win this award it could be andy reed of the chiefs it could be ron rivera of the washington football team as well just so many names that you could have as your as your coach of the year it's incredible and the reason i have stefanski is it's his first year coaching he gets the browns into the playoffs for the first time in 17 seasons he doesn't have a normal offseason to work with his team and he's still able to rally this group that hasn't made the, this this organization that hasn't made the playoffs in 17 years in such a unique offseason where they really don't have an offseason and still get them to an 11 and 5 record and into the postseason. So that's why I have Kevin Stefanski as my coach of the year, Matt LaFleur, two years back to back 13 and 3 record. This year he gets the number 1 seed. It's obvious, I mean, obviously he has Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, but the way that this organization, the Green Bay Packers, the years prior to Matt LaFleur, they were trending downwards with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers was, was having some tough years. Matt LaFleur has turned that around instantly and helped them back to the Green Bay Packers that we've known for the past, I mean, since they've had Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre as their quarterback. So that's why I have Matt LaFleur in my top three. And then Sean McDermott winning the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I think the Patriots won the AFC East for the past 12 years now, so upsetting upsetting the New England Patriots there. Sean McDermott and, and Brian Dayball, kind of a huge reason and the huge culture shift in the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen as well, just a big turnaround, and, and it just helps with, with Sean McDermott there. I think he's deservingly, two years in a row, getting them to the playoffs, deservingly in the conversation for Coach of the Year. But, I mean, Andy Reid, 14-2, and two, back-to-back seasons, getting a bye week. Um, Ron Rivera in the incredibly difficult season that he's had, defeating cancer as well as, as a lot of upstairs and upper management problems that they had to go through before the season started. All those guys, all five, deservingly could be coach of the year this season. So we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out when the time comes. But all right. Why don't we move on then to the Super Wild Card Weekend? That's what they're calling it this year. I mentioned it earlier. Three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. We'll start with the games on Saturday and the teams that I think will be moving on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Let's start with the first game. We have the Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. I mean, the Buffalo Bills could have could have kind of rang it in week 17 and they had their division locked up they had either the two seed or the three seed locked up they decided hey we're gonna knock out one of our division opponents this year in week 17 they hung 56 points on the miami dolphins the miami dolphins at one point had a top five defense in the nfl since then they've obviously fallen off giving up 56 points to the buffalo bills but josh allen 
deservingly so in the top five discussion for MVP this year, possibly in the top three if you kind of keep running backs out of that discussion. But Josh Allen in the Buffalo Bills, Stephon Diggs could also be in the discussion for Offensive Player of the Year, the season that he had leading the league in receptions, leading the league in receiving yards in his first season with a new team in this off in this off season that we had. Um, so the Buffalo Bills and in the, in the Indianapolis Colts, it'll be a fun one for sure. Frank Reich is is a great coach down there in, in Indianapolis, but I think the Bills are just too good this year. They are clicking on all cylinders right now down the stretch. They have been on fire as the season has ended. So I've got the Bills defeating the Colts here and moving on to the divisional round. Nothing against the Colts. I mean, I think this is going to be a good matchup, but I still think Buffalo will win by 10-plus points just the way that their offense has been rolling, and then their defense has still got playmakers all over the field as well. I'm not sure if Phillip Rivers is going to be able to keep up with Josh Allen in, in the way that the Bills' offense has been rolling right now. All right, the second game then on Saturday, we've got the Rams at the Seahawks. This will be the third matchup between these two teams this season. Um, they split the season series one-to-one. Man, the Rams have, have a kind of a tough situation because with Jared Goff, their starting quarterback, he missed week 17 because of a thumb injury. He actually had surgery on it, I believe, before week 17. So he's less than two weeks out from thumb surgery on his throwing hand nonetheless. And he injured this hand against the Seahawks. So we're not sure yet if he'll be able to go. We won't know until game time tomorrow. But if it's John Wolford, I don't think that'll be enough to uh, to keep up with, with Russell Wilson. I don't even think if Jared Goff was there that they'd be able to keep up with Russell Wilson. The Seahawks offense has been struggling down the stretch of late. But when their offense has been struggling, then their defense all of a sudden started to pick it up for them. So... The Seahawks, their defense is starting to click, definitely. I think their offense could probably snap back into it the way they were when Russell Wilson was the front runner for MVP the first half of the season. So I've got the Seahawks winning this one as well. They'll move on to the divisional round. They host this one at home, too. I mean, there's there's some home field advantage for some of these teams. Not as much as usual, of course, because the limited amount of fans in some of them, like Buffalo. Buffalo is actually going to have what is it, close to 10,000 fans in their stadium. The Packers, when the divisional round comes around, they're going to try and have close to 10,000 fans or 8,000 fans in the stadium. So it's still nice to have that home game, and I think the Seahawks will be able to overwhelm the Los Angeles Rams. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey has shut down DK Metcalf time and time again this season. So I, I think it'll still be a close game, whether it is Jared Goff or John Wolford. But even if Jared Goff goes, he's going to have that thumb on his throwing arm that is going to be giving him problems and will probably be the deciding factor in this game. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Then the final game on Saturday, this should be a really good one and a really fun one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Washington football team. Chase Young. Chase Young said it after their primetime game against the Eagles in Week 17. He says, I want Tom Brady. <laughs> I want to sack Tom Brady. I want to get after him. And I think this Washington football team is one of the better matchups to defeat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They have a ferocious front four and just fantastic at getting after the passer. And that is the biggest nightmare for Tom Brady at 43 years old. You don't want to get hit. You want to be comfortable just sitting back in the pocket, able to read the defense, and then just find the open guy and, and, and complete your passes. But you, and you don't want to be rushed. Tom Brady is not afraid of dumping that off and finding the underneath man, but you don't want to be rushed consistently play after play, and that's what this Washington football team is going to do. You've got Chase Young on one side. He had seven sacks, seven and a half sacks. You got Montez Sweat, their first-round pick from a year ago. On the other side, he had over eight sacks, might be in double-digit sacks this year. Then you got Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen up the middle. Don't forget about Ryan Kerrigan, their fifth pass rusher as well. So their defense is good. They've, they've got a suspect secondary, but when you've got guys like Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan getting after the passer, that, that definitely helps your secondary. And I obviously, Tom Brady isn't as mobile as he used to be. So if, if Washington is able to get after Tom Brady, sack him, I think they're going to have to do it at least four to five times. I think the Washington football team can win 
this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's who I'm going to pick actually to win this game against the Buccaneers is the Washington football team because I just think Tom Brady is going to be uncomfortable all game. And that's exactly what you want to do with a guy who's 43 years old and is, if he does have a clean pocket all game, it's easily going to go to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers because he has all those weapons. Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. We're not sure if Mike Evans is going to be able to play. He suffered kind of a scary injury in week 17 where it looked like it could have been a serious knee injury. Thank goodness it wasn't, but we're still not sure if he'll be ready to go for this Saturday game. So I think that if if Washington is, is going to be pressuring Brady, I think they have a really good shot at winning this game. The only problem for Washington as well is their quarterback situation. Alex Smith, he played week 17. He kind of struggled through it. If he's hampered in this game and they have to go to their backup, which is now Taylor Heineke, after they released Dwayne Haskins for off-the-field issues earlier this year. If they have to go to Taylor Heineke, I don't know if their offense is going to be able to score any points. This is still a good Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. It's not a top-five defense that it used to be in the first half of the season. It's still a good defense, and I think the Washington football team would need Alex Smith to be able to score some points. You're going to have to put up some points against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And I think the defense would be able to hold him enough. If Alex Smith was the starter, if he's not the starter or he can't go the whole game, then that obviously leans in the favor of the Buccaneers. But I'm going to take the Washington football team. I think they're going to get the upset at home in this one. All right. And then the Sunday matchups, these are going to be some great matchups in the AFC. And we start on Sunday with the Ravens at the Titans. This is a rematch of last year's divisional round. I mentioned this earlier where the Titans shocked the number one seed Ravens. I think they won this game like 28-12 to 12 or something like that, and Derrick Henry just ran wild on them, kind of just started this historic run that Derrick Henry's been on like all of last year and all of this year now. But still, this will be an awesome rematch. The Ravens are coming into this game on a five-game winning streak. Lamar Jackson has been playing fantastic. The offense is clicking. Their, their their passing game has even gotten going as well. Marquise Brown has been getting into the picture. They have a they have maybe the number one rushing offense in the NFL between J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and then Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson ran for over a thousand yards again this season. The first quarterback to do that in NFL history. He's got two of the top three rushing seasons by a quarterback in NFL history. So their rushing offense is fantastic, and the Titans' defense is a little suspect. We've seen it the past two weeks now. They gave up 38 points to the Houston Texans. They gave up 40 points the week before that to the Green Bay Packers. And the Ravens have a pretty good defense, so they'll they'll have to focus their attention on Derrick Henry. And if they do that, I think that the Ravens will come out on top with a win here. I think I'll, I'll take the Ravens over the Titans in this matchup. I think that's going to be your best game this weekend too, though, is the Ravens versus the Titans. All right, two more games. Then we got the Bears at the Saints. This is the second matchup between these two teams this season. The Saints won the first one 26-23. They'll have Alvin Kamara back. He missed week 17 due to the COVID. He tested positive before that game. If this game was on Saturday, they wouldn't have Alvin Kamara, but the game is on Sunday. Alvin Kamara will be there. I don't think this is going to be much of a challenge for the New Orleans Saints. It better not be. If it is, that's bigger concern for them if they want to reach the NFC Championship game, or even get to the Super Bowl. But I think Drew Brees is is starting to click as well. Give me the Saints over the Bears here in the Superdome as well. I'll take the Saints winning that one. And then our final game for the Super Wild Card Weekend is the Browns at the Steelers, the third matchup this year. Season series split at 1-1. Pittsburgh, I think, winning the first game back in like week four or something like that they blew out the Browns when everybody was playing their starters the Browns barely escape in week 17 with a win against their backup quarterback and some of their other backups this will be a really tough one for the Browns they're without their head coach they're without one of their best offensive linemen you, you we saw how they kind of struggled a little bit against some of their backups in against Pittsburgh in week 17 this will be a really fun one to end the weekend Sunday night Browns and Steelers 
But I think Ben Roethlisberger, the experienced Steelers, that great defense led by TJ Watt as well, I think the Steelers will get this one done and they'll move on to the divisional round as well. So I've got the Bills winning, the Seahawks winning, the Washington football team winning over the Buccaneers, the Ravens, Saints, and Steelers winning on Sunday. That would set up a divisional round that would look like this. We would have the Washington football team at the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. We would have the Seahawks in New Orleans for the Saints. That would be your NFC. And then in the AFC, would have the Ravens at the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo to face off against the Bills. So that's how my prediction of the super wildcard weekend looks for this NFL 2020 season. All right, let's move on to my last thing here, college football playoffs and bowl season. We are in the midst of it. Actually, we have our national championship game coming up this Monday. I mean, the two semifinal playoff games, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, kind of two blowouts in this case. The Rose Bowl was Alabama number one versus number 14, Notre Dame. I mean, in this one, we saw Alabama and what they've been riding all season, and that is Devontae Smith. He had three touchdowns, this wide receiver, and they go on to, and then he goes on to win the Heisman Trophy this past week as well. The first wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy since Desmond Howard back in, was it 1991, I think he won the Heisman Trophy. So Devontae Smith, this is going to be a top five pick in the NFL. He had 20 touchdown receptions in 10 games, or maybe 11 games now this season. He's still got one more game to go. He could push that up to 22 touchdowns in the national championship game. So Alabama just blew out Notre Dame 31 to 14 in the sugar bowl. Then we had Ohio state versus Clemson and Ohio state. Once they got rolling, they were unstoppable in this one. They won 49 to 28, Justin Fields. He threw six touchdowns, guts out a victory in this one too, a blowout victory. He got hit pretty hard at one point. I think in the first half was able to stay in, still throw the deep ball and, and throw six touchdowns. And really, it was weird. A lot of the talk coming into the Ohio State game was between Justin Fields and, and Trevor Lawrence, obviously, but it wasn't revolving around the game. It was a revolving around both of these quarterbacks turning pro next season. And Trevor Lawrence is the clear-cut number one overall pick favorite, and, and deservedly so should be. But then people have started looking back in the history of Ohio State quarterbacks and them going pro. And all of a sudden, they started to put that on Justin Fields before this game started in there. And all of a sudden you see him start to drop a little bit in draft stock. And, and you see a lot of these mock drafts where he's not even the second quarterback being taken, not even going second overall to the jets who might need a new quarterback. And then all of a sudden he comes out and throws six touchdowns. So he just kind of proves it right there. I mean, you can't, I mean, you can look back at the history of Ohio state quarterbacks and notice there's a little bit of a lack of production in the NFL don't put that on Justin Fields until you see him in the NFL. I mean, he just threw for six touchdowns in in a playoff game in college football. So we'll see when the time comes what we get to start uh, grading Justin Fields on in terms of pro prospects. But speaking of pro prospects, Trevor Lawrence, after they lose this game, uh, the, the next week then he declared for the 2021 NFL draft, most likely going to be the number one overall pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So... With those two results, that leads us to a championship game this Monday. Alabama versus Ohio State. Is Ohio State going to be able to keep up with Alabama? Justin Fields versus Mac Jones. Alabama had three guys, I believe, in the top five for Heisman voting. They had the Heisman Trophy winner in Devontae Smith, who I already mentioned. Mac Jones, their quarterback, was in the top four discussion for the Heisman Trophy winner. And then I believe their running back, Najee Harris, was the fifth in voting for Heisman Trophy. So, I mean, Ohio State is going to have a really tough time keeping up with this Alabama team. I mean, even if Justin Fields is able to throw six touchdowns like he did against Clemson, Alabama is going to be right there with them step for step. So, I mean, Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, and then you still, of course, have that Alabama defense. It's not the Alabama defense that used to shut teams out or let them only score 7 to 14 points, but it's still a good Alabama defense led by Nick Saban. With all that said, I think Justin Fields 
the way that he I mean everybody like even the talk like I just mentioned all the talk leading up to this Ohio State Clemson game wasn't about the game on the field it was about maybe the game off the field between Fields and Trevor Lawrence and next year's or the this 2021 NFL drafts who's going first who's going second can Ohio State quarterbacks perform at the NFL and I think the way Justin Fields responded to that in the Sugar Bowl in the semi play, semifinal playoff game I'm not going to bet against Justin Fields in this championship game. I'm actually going to take Ohio State in this one to beat Alabama. I think Justin Fields is having a really special run right now. Everybody was questioning, does Ohio State belong in the in the playoffs with only six games played? Remember, because the Big Ten had a shortened season. Justin Fields is out to prove to them that, yes, we deserve to be in the playoffs, and they're going to be your national championship winner in my opinion, I think Ohio State's going to win this one. The score is going to be in the high 40s, maybe low four, or in the high 30s, excuse me, low 40s possibly. I think Ohio State will have to score at least 35 points to win this game, and I'm going to take them. And then here's some other bowl games to keep in mind that some of the big ones that went out the Cotton Bowl between Oklahoma and Florida. Oklahoma just routed Florida 55 to 20. Florida had the other Heisman candidate as well and quarterback Kyle Trask that Oklahoma was able to just trounce them in that one the Peach Bowl man this was a fantastic game Georgia's last second win over Cincinnati winning that one 24-21 just a heartbreaker for Cincinnati too they came into it undefeated they felt disrespected for not getting in or at least not even being in the top six for the college football playoffs I think they were ranked eighth or ninth by the end of it they had an undefeated season They felt disrespected for not being considered for the college football playoffs, so they were about to win against a big SEC team. And then Georgia was able to pull it out in the end and win the Peach Bowl there. In the Citrus Bowl, we had Northwestern defeating Auburn, 35-19. Big win for the Big Ten right there. Northwestern may be the second or third best team in the conference this year, going off and beating an SEC team like Auburn. And then in the Orange Bowl, a really good one here between Texas A&M and U in North Carolina, Texas A&M able to get the big win, 41-27. And then, of course, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. If you didn't know about Dukes-Mayo before this game, you certainly do now. After Wisconsin defeated Wake Forest, 42-28. to Obviously, all the talk was after the game and how Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz broke the Dukes-Mayo trophy, all of a sudden puts a Dukes-Mayo bottle in place of this broken crystal Diamond, whatever the, the trophy's made out of, ball, puts a Duke's Mayo bottle there. So now Duke's Mayo gets exactly what they wanted, and they have all this recognition. And now they're shooting through the roof, I'm sure, in sales. But Wisconsin defeating Wake Forest there. Other big news with Wisconsin, too. Well, other than they're getting a lot of their uh, juniors and, and some of their redshirt seniors to come back for another season because of uh, the, the eligibility that the NCAA allowed with this unique college football season. They're getting a lot of those guys back. One guy that Wisconsin's not getting back, quarterback Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn has decided to enter enter the transfer portal, and he's actually going to play for Notre Dame next season. So next year's Wisconsin-Notre Dame game to start off the season. I don't know if this one's going to be in Lambeau or if it's going to be in Soldier Field. But either way, it's going to be Jack Cohn versus his former team in the Wisconsin Badgers next year on Notre Dame. So that'll be really interesting. But Wisconsin gets the Dukes Mayo Bowl victory over Wake Forest. They actually trailed 14 to 0 at one point in this game and then they were able to come back go up 42 to 21 and eventually win this one 42 to 28. So, let's get to my final thought then today on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. I'll let you know how I finished in all four of my fantasy football leagues this year. So, I got third place in one of my leagues. It's the league that I don't even know who I'm playing against. There are people from work that I'm within, and of course it's the one I care less about. So, of course, it would be the one that I finished the best in, right? I finished fourth place in a league with my brother. Uh, Not in the top three. I was close. Almost made the championship game. Then I ended up losing the third place game as well. And then my two other leagues... I took 7th place out of 10th, and then I did end up taking last place overall in the league I care about the most, 
and it's just devastating. I'll, I'll eventually tell you what my punishment for taking last place in this league will be. I just need to give it a couple months before I end up doing it, and uh, I end up doing what the punishment is, and probably when my uh, contract with the NFL is up is when I'll end up doing this punishment. But the worst thing about it, this is this is fantasy football for you. We have the championship games in week 16 of the NFL season so that there's no resting starters. But in week 17, we still play the, the last week, and whoever scores the most points gets like uh, $15 or whatever's left in the pot. I end up scoring the most points the next week after losing the entire season league. And if that isn't fantasy football for you in 2020, nonetheless, ugh, like I couldn't just score that. Any of the three weeks prior leading up to the, the final Toilet Bowl Losers League game that I ended up losing. So uh, I'll let you know what my punishment is once I end up doing it. What the punishment used to be. This is going to be the first year of our new punishment as well. What the punishment used to be in this league was doing the Blazing Challenge at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. And wow, I am glad that we changed it this year starting so I don't have to do that because I have seen the guys in previous years that are losers. And I think the record, you get 12 wings with that. It's insanely hot sauce. I mean, just smelling it too makes some people's eyes water, mine included. And then even if you just like dip a pinky in it and taste it, it's horrible. <laughs> but the I think the record in our league is a guy got nine wings and you get, you get 12 wings, I believe. And then you have six minutes to try and finish them. Um, and, and one guy got up to nine. I think, and that was that was incredible because the guys after him, I think, was like four. The other one was like two, and it just looks horrible. And I'm so glad that the punishment has changed. The punishment's not much better. I mean, it's still a punishment, but that's what I love about this league is there's a, a really good incentive to not lose, and I ended up being the big loser this year. But next year, don't worry, I have a new strategy, and I think it's going to be a, a winning one. I wish I could tell you, but I think some of my competitors in that league listen to this podcast and I thank them for doing that first of all but since they do I cannot give away what my next year strategy will be but I will tell you what it is obviously once uh once I end up doing it but I'm going to keep that one to myself for now all right so then final final thought on this episode of the final final podcast new year happy new year's everyone um 2020 was a really difficult year for a lot of people um and we really didn't get off to a good start with 2021 is if what you saw the what was it maybe two days ago now man it's still so fresh it felt like yesterday um what happened in in washington dc in the nation's capital um we were hoping to get off to a better start in 2020 and 2021 really didn't start that way on, on january 6th just extremely disturbing horrifying um and kind of embarrassing as the whole world was watching. And, and all the questions that you're asking yourself, you can probably answer yourself as well. The, the questions of what if this and can you imagine if this or that, those ones you can answer yourself. The, the questions of why this happened, um, those ones you may never be able to answer. And, it, and it's quite embarrassing on what happened in our nation's capital and what, what the leader of this country, well, not the leader anymore, he'll, he'll be gone in the coming weeks or the coming days possibly, but the way that he is as uh represented this country has been uh quite embarrassing. But I, I pray for everyone's safety and I also I also pray for everybody's uh a better twenty twenty one. It started twenty twenty one started off poorly, but hopefully we're we're looking up. Um but man, just a what a what a sad way to start twenty twenty one after the year that we went through in twenty twenty. But hopefully we can look forward to to a better year in the next coming weeks, months, and then, of course, the, the entire year as well. I hope everybody, I myself, like to make a couple of New Year's resolutions. I hope everybody tries to do that as well, just to uh, to see where you can improve in the next year. And and hope and obviously, America has a lot of improving to do this upcoming year and the years to come after that as well. And it's not going to be a quick fix, but uh, hopefully we can get there and hopefully we can do it. So. That's just how I wanted to end this episode with uh, what's been happening in America these past couple of days with what we saw in, in our nation's capital and, and kind of uh, hopefully we can, we can get better. It, it, hopefully we can do better than that as a nation 
most certainly. All right. That's all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, we'll get to the NFL divisional round, and we'll see who moves on from the wild card. We'll see who our national champion is in college football playoffs. And then we'll also get to some NBA talk as the season rolls along and maybe some college basketball talk as well as we get into the middle of the season or almost halfway through the college basketball season as well. So uh, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Stay safe out there. See you next week. And that is the final final.